Hello and welcome to Rednets, the official podcast of Empire of the Cop. Uh, today I've got Peter Kenny-Jones and former Liverpool striker Stan Collymore here with me today. Thanks again for coming on, Stan. How are you doing? Very good, very good. Uh, much better after seeing the Reds uh, navigate that uh, tricky tie uh, in Milan. So uh, hopefully the next stage is beckoned. Absolutely, aren't we all? Aren't we all? So, for a bit of context today, we're going with a slightly more of a special episode here. Uh, we're going to be looking at a potential best 11. More specifically, this is going to involve three rounds where myself, Pete, and Stan are going to produce our own um, best 11s of the pre clop era that we're going to come together, work out, you know, what, what the, the best 11 of that combined three will, will look like. And then here's the interesting part, of course, we're going to compare that against what is perceived to be Klopp's best. 11 uh, during his stint as Liverpool manager and see if any at all uh, would make it into that sort of perceived Klopp 11. Um, I'm going to just sort of kick us straight off here. So I've gone for uh, Pepe Reina in goal, uh, Phil Neal, uh, Mark Lawrence and Alan Hansen, Kennedy uh, in defence. Uh, in midfield, I've gone for Graham Sunes, Stephen Gerrard, Stephen Manaman, and up front, I've gone for a front three, of course, uh, who else but Kenny Dalglish, Ian Rush and Louis Suarez. Um, right, well, that's my 11. Now, here's the fun part as well. We're going to add in a wild card. So this is a player who may not necessarily break into that best individual sort of 11, uh, but you reckon might serve you well sort of down the line when it comes to picking Klopp's best 11. Uh, and that player I'm going to go for is none other than Dirk Kout, hard worker, you know, gets the odd sort of occasional sort of important goal. I think, you know, he's got all the makings of a potentially brilliant clock player, but, you know, there may be some disagreement and we certainly invite that. Uh, Stan, I'm going to go over to you for your best 11 and your wild card, if you don't mind. Yeah, I'm going to go for Ray Clements in goal. I mean, as a kid growing up um, as, a, as a Villa fan and as an England fan, um, Ray Clements and Peter Shilton were so good, were so far of the, uh, of the rest in terms of... Um, goalkeeping standards globally that they used to just share the England shirt and sometimes Joe Corrigan bless him would get the odd England cap as well but that's how good our goalkeepers were and Clem was very much at the vanguard of that um, like you've got Phil Neal Alan Hansen Mark Lawrenson Alan Kennedy of course if you're scoring two European Cup finals that's got to get you in there a midfield three of Steven Gerrard um, Graham Souness. I've gone with Ray Kennedy um, I, I, I actually looking around all the midfielders and I like to look for a balance and blend Sammy Lee wasn't far away from my midfield because I think he would, he did a lot of the donkey work for great players ahead of him both uh, the, the advanced players like uh, Kenny Dalgleish uh, but also players like uh, Graham Souness he was a real uh, nuisance he'd nick the ball off the opposition's midfield and give it better players to play so, but I'm going to go for Ray Kennedy uh, Gerard Souness Kennedy and then I'm going to go for three players that I played with. Um, Steve McManaman coming from the right. Peak John Barnes coming from the left. And Robbie Fowler down the middle. You could have had Crikey. could have had Ian Rush made my Liverpool debut with Tosh. Could have been the great Kenny Dalgleish. Could have been Luis Suarez. Could have been Fernando Torres. But I think that, that those three, Peak Barnes going past people, putting crosses in the box, scoring goals, scoring free kicks... McManaman was a, a, a one-man assist machine and God in the box. I think that still I haven't seen a better um, chance taker in the 18-yard box playing for Liverpool Football Club than Robbie Fowler. And my wild card would be... 
Luis Suarez, uh, I think could play in this Liverpool team quite easily. I would take out Bobby Firmino and I would stick in Luis Suarez. And I think you've got a perfect front front three of work rate goals. Long, of course, we'd like likes of uh, Sadamano and Mo Salah. But my wild, wild card is Luis Suarez. Before we move on to Pete, Stan, I'm, I'm just going to throw a slight bit of a curveball at you here. Um, and I'm going to sort of look specifically at yourself. Um, so in form... Absolute peak Stan Collymore. Would he get into a Klopp best 11? I think so. I think because I was, I was, I mean, at Nottingham Forest, I was an out and out number nine. I scored 50 goals in 68 games. So the, 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 the goals to games ratio at Forest was up there with, with Liverpool strikers, other than the very, very, very best. The interesting thing I always think about in terms of my Liverpool career is when I came in, um, I had to completely adapt to my game. I often found myself over on the left-hand side. Um, I think if you look at the statistics, I think that between Robbie and I, we've got 100, just over 102, 103 goals and assists, goal involvements, as they're called now. Uh, and Robbie asked about his favourite strike partner for Liverpool. He didn't say um, Ian Rush. He didn't say some of the other luminaries he played, but he said me. Um, so I, I, I won't be so... Um, uh, bold and brazen as to put myself in front of uh, the likes of John Barnes or Saido Mane. But if Jürgen uh, called on me at my very best to play to the left of a three, I'd have gone past people, stuck it in the box and I could have weighed in with a goal. So uh, I'd have certainly have had myself uh, and I would have loved to, of course, play for a, a Jürgen Klopp team. But Jürgen Klopp teams are very much about high octane, high pressing um, which I uh, wasn't me. It wasn't Robbie Fowler, actually, either, nor Steve McManaman. Very different types of forward players. But yeah, I'd have thrown myself in there and certainly would have fancied myself um, if you'd have picked me or if you'd brought me off the bench to contribute something to any Liverpool front three. So the demands were, were different at the time and certainly um, it's interesting you mentioned Fowler because obviously you've spoken quite highly of him yourself, very much rate him as, of course, Every Liverpool fan, every sane Liverpool fan uh, does. Um, Pete, over to you now. No pressure. I went a little bit different from what you have done. I thought <laughs> sorry, I know, I thought I think outside the box, but I thought you would go like old school, classic 70s, 80s. Obviously, I wasn't there, so I limited myself to one classic player in each position, apart from a cheater than one position, but that's fine. So I went for the Pepe Rainer in goal because uh, I've seen him and he was he was great. But and we, obviously we'll go on to it later. But I think Allison's better than him. But he was just I thought he deserved a mention. Be back for the one classic player I went for was Alan Hansen, and I thought I wanted to have seen the rest so I know that I can give a proper opinion. So I, th- I went for Steve Finnan because I thought he's the most solid right back we've had. Uh, Carragher just because I think he against any person he had to compete with like the likes of Honcho Hippier. Aga, he always got himself to that level and carried himself up and I think he'd continue to do that with anyone and then went for John Arnarisa at left back again just think you know what he could do forwards and backwards obviously just these I'm not saying these are better than the, the greats that we've had at the club but I think it was only fair that I'd seen them uh, midfield I went for Graham Sooners to go alongside Stephen Gerrard and Jabby Alonso I think would be a pretty decent today in the middle you know they, they'd all get a tackle in and, and get the ball going and up front, I cheated a bit. So I went for, obviously, King Kerry, Luis Suarez and Billy Little. But I feel like I'm allowed to say Billy Little because I wrote a book about him. So I've, I've looked into him enough to say I can do him. I've seen Suarez and then Kerry was my me, me classic choice. So I thought that they would work well together. 
Kenny could do like the false nine that Bobby does and the other two would do the, the business on the wings. And then my wild card was Robbie Fowler. I think obviously with what, what Stan said, he maybe wasn't that type of player that he was, you know, pressing from the front. But I think if Klopp got his hands on a 18-year-old Robbie Fowler, he'd he'd get him to get up and down. Right. I reckon he could play out wide or he could play through the middle for him. And yeah, I think under Klopp, he'd be a fantastic player. That's why he was here. My wild card. Not that he wasn't fantastic anyway, but I think, you know, he's working that system. And yeah, I think that would be a, a decent 11 of them for the lose many games. It's, it, there's, a, there's a fair bit, well, some overlap uh, between the three of us. Uh, you've thrown a few the extra there into the mix as well, Pete, which is always nice um, to see. So initially, from what I can see from the overlap, we've got uh, um, Alan Hansen in the central defence, of course, uh, Graeme Souness, Stephen Gerrard, naturally. Um, beyond that, of course, this is where things get a bit interesting. Um, so there's a bit of overlap between you and I, Pete, of course, um, Dalglish uh, and Suarez. Um, now, Stan, you've gone for John Barnes, Fowler and McManaman up top. Um, so let's see. So should we, should we work away from, from the back all, yeah. all the way through to the top? Um, so Pete and I went with Pepe, Rayner, of course. Uh, Stan, you went for Clements and reasonably so, you know, legendary, legendary keeper. Um, how, how, how do we want to how do we want to sit on this? Because um, obviously, if we're talking sort of about pure sort of legendary players, you know, Clements is going to be obviously right up there. But I think um, my rationale when I went for Rainer um, was sort of you know looking at sort of a, a, a goalkeeper who can sort of distribute um, yeah. the ball well, sort of bears sort of similar traits to Allison, if not quite the the like for like um, as Pete rightly mentioned. Um, so how how do we feel about goalkeeper lads? The, the, I mean, I'm happy to go with Pepe Reina because I think that it's closer to what Alisson is, in, like you say, in terms of distribution. Uh, Pete made a really good point about sort of Robbie Fowler and you could, you could apply this to any player backwards or forwards through the generations. I saw Carrie yesterday. I was doing an interview for, uh, for, for French TV and, uh, and Carrie was the subject in Liverpool and Klopp and what have you. And he said, look, you know, the game, Premier League now is better than it was. And, you know, he looked back on old videos, this is Carrot talking, and, you know, he weren't as good as I thought it was and what have you. And I thought, well, you're doing yourself a disservice because we played in a in a in a in a top an English top flight or in the game generally, where there was more physicality. John Barnes, for example, playing as a left winger, whether it be for Watford or whether it be for uh, for Liverpool or whether it be for England, would actively have people trying to stop him physically. That's gone now. You know, I'm not saying that, that Mo Salah or Sadamane wouldn't have um, done well as wide men back in the day playing in 4-4-2. I think they probably would have done, but they would have had more of a physical test. And I think that likewise, if you go all the way back to goalkeepers, um, the, the law change was... Uh, in the 1990s, I remember because I played in it, whereby the, the the back pass to the keeper was outlawed, so you had to keep ball in place. So all of a sudden, a goalkeeper that used his feet was very important. But I'm, I, I don't think Clem, if he'd have come into an environment that Allison has uh, as a young lad, as a young goalkeeper, or Pepe Reina, or Edison at Manchester City, we don't know how, how good he would have been at his feet because most of the time in the in the rules that he played. It would, he would have the ball played back to him. He'd be able to pick it up. He'd be able to bounce it, roll it back out to a centre forward and some a central defender and get it back. So I'm happy to go with Pepe Reina if we're talking clock today, but I do want to sort of have an overview and say 
players that were very good players in the 70s, 80s, 90s, even going back to Billy Little's time, good players would have adapted to whatever the rules were today. And good players today would have been resilient enough and robust enough to come up against a Sunis or a Vinnie Jones or a Steve McMahon or, or a Terry Herlock that were trying to hurt you in midfield. So I've got no problem with Pepe Reina. Uh, Clem is an absolute legend. Uh, I take on board that if we're looking for a, a, a team that could be uh, taken over by uh, Jurgen Klopp now, that Pepe Reina would probably fit the, the profile better than Clem here and now. Yeah. That's fair enough. If I can just say quickly, sorry, just uh, I don't think Alisson's the best with his feet either, but he's been trained to, to yeah. be as good as he is, isn't he? So I think we really should pick Ray Clemens, although I picked Rainer, is what I think, which might throw a curveball in because I think he'd be much better. I don't want to add loads of time onto the first decision, but I'd probably side with Ray Clemens, although I did see Pepe Rainer a couple of minutes ago. But I'll leave it to you, Farrell, your host. <laughs> That's oh, lots, lots of pressure there. <laughs> we both changed that man. Absolutely. Now, as I say, we've we've gone for some overlap there with uh, Alan Hansen, rightly so, one of the most cultured uh, centre halves we've ever had in Liverpool's history. Um, had to be there, realistically. Um, now, we, we, I think, uh, Stan and I agreed on Mark Lawrence, and obviously, um, Pete, you've gone, you've sort of gone for like a difference of idea there with Jamie Carragher, you know, absolute stalwart for the for the club. Uh, perhaps, maybe not, and um, certainly by his own admission, the most technically sort of gifted centre half Liverpool have ever had. But you know, with, with all the grit and determination in the world, I, I, it's the sort of arguments we've made constantly for um, Jordan Henderson. You know, especially around the time when um, Stephen Jarrod was obviously departing the club, and you know, uh, the, the, the comparisons being made and sort of you know. Jordan Henderson isn't Stephen Gerrard. But the point is, of course, he isn't Stephen Gerrard. But you know, that's still still an absolute legend, legendary for the figure of the club. I'd, I'd imagine by the time he eventually uh, calls his Liverpool career over, um, so I'd be inclined for a compromise if everyone is partial to it and go for Jamie Carragher in the heart of defence. Yeah, I, well, I obviously I picked him, but I think he could he'd rise to any test. That's why I think you know when you listen to him speak, obviously because I've spent a lot of time listening to him and stuff. He, he always said he just had to be better than a player in front of him, and I think that determination, as you said, I think if you put anyone there, he'd he'd get himself into that the, the two centre back position just because he's so determined to do it. And you know, I'm not saying anything bad about Mark Lawrence, but I'd, I'd rather listen to Carrigan. I think his um, his drive seems a lot more a lot better than what Mark Lawrence was. But again, I can't say too much. But I just think on basis of them two, Hansen gets in, and then I'd think Carragher would work his way past Mark Lawrence. But I might be wrong. Yeah, I'd have no problem with that. I think that Carragher, in terms of his defensive qualities as well, was more of a stopper. Uh, that's not that you need that. I mean, Virgil Van Dijk can be a stopper, but he also can bring the ball out and he reads the game very well. That's what makes him an all-round very good defender. But in terms of the balance and the blend, I mean, we know that Hansen and Lawrence played with each other uh, with great aplomb. Both were very good ball carriers. But if you're looking for a nice sort of comparison, I would not I would have no problem with Carrot and 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 uh, Alan Hansen. Alan Hansen to bring it out the back. Uh, start-up attacks on wonderful, pristine pitches these days, um, as he did on on poor pitches around the, the country when he played. That's how good he was uh, with Carrot to, uh, to cover around him. Hansen and Carragher sound good to me. How do we feel about the fullbacks, lads? Because again, Pete, you've just thrown some curveballs in there. And I, to be honest, I'm I'm glad you brought up Finnan because I think he's massively, massively underrated uh, in his day. And he's sort of almost been forgotten about. And I know he, he keeps sort of a private life, and you know that's completely fair enough. But I almost feel he does. He hasn't 
had the credit he deserves. Um, so again, I, I mean, I'm, I'd personally be inclined to go with um, Finnan and Kennedy as a, as my full, as my fullbacks going forward. But where, where do you both sort of stand on that? For me, it's simple. Uh, you've got to, you've got to back it up with trophies if you if you're a Liverpool player. Um, Cara gets ahead of Loro despite Loro winning league titles and of course European cups. And Cara won the European Cup. Um, for me, Phil Neal's consistency over a number of years, this sheer amount, I think that prior to Ryan Giggs uh, is the most decorated um, British Isles-based player, won everything there was to win, a very good uh, servant for England as well, when England had you know good good right and left backs. You have people like Kenny Sansom on the left, you have people like Mick Mills, that many uh, of my age will remember. Viv Anderson was winning European Cups with Nottingham Forest is that you are talking about a player that had to be the very, very best for his club to win trophies to keep other really good fullbacks uh, out uh, of an England team I'm talking about then. So for me, Phil Neal, he, he won everything. And I, I just think you couldn't really, you couldn't really argue for him in a, in a modern lineup because he probably doesn't have the skill set of a trend in terms of, the athleticism to get forward into advanced positions and put crosses in the box or wing 40-yard passes cross-field uh, that Trent did, not many can. But in terms of somebody that gave Sterling service and was one of the key planks to Liverpool winning as much as they did, I think you, you, you can't look past Phil Neal. In terms of the other side, uh, Bumper, um, um, sorry, Barney, uh, Alan Kennedy, no brainer, uh, did it at the very highest level. He probably could actually replicate what Robbo did down that left does down that left hand side because I think in the model modern game uh, Alan Kennedy had the, the the mobility and the ability to be able to get forward and sniff out opportunities further forward which is why he did so well in those European Cup finals as we mentioned so for me Kennedy's a no brain on the left uh, I would dig me heels in over Phil Neal over Steve Finn. I know Finn well. I had a, a spell at Fulham on loan from Aston Villa and Finn was there then great lad like you say quite quiet very unassuming, very good career, but I couldn't quite hold him up to Phil Neal, Neal's standard. Any challenges on that, Pete? No, I, I, I agree, probably. I think, you know, you if you want someone to represent the, the glory years, it's got to be Phil Neal because he was there for all of it, wasn't he? And obviously, he could take a pen as well, which didn't, which I'm sure Klopp could then use that to his, his, get his attack and play going. So I would have no problem with that. And I think you know, John Arisa is a very good player, but I don't think he's in the ilk of what we had before. I think obviously, it's like Chris Lawler and Steve Nichol, I think, deserve a mention. And I think me, me dad was picking. I, I don't think he, I think they'd be his fullbacks. But obviously, when you, you're both going for, for Alan Kennedy, I wouldn't go against either of them. I think, obviously, as we have said about Steve Finney, he's just an out and out defender and right back which was what we needed in that Rafa team which is why we went you know, around Europe and got clean sheets and took a back to Anfield and won games and, and did so well for those three years so I think you know, it's great you got to mention even if it was by me but um, yeah I think the two fullbacks you both agreed on that that's you can't really argue with them to again just to stand for what we won in those years I think that should be the majority because they were the, the glory years as they say 
I mean, I'll tell you what, we missed a trick by not inviting our uh, our dads on. To, it would have been a sort of completely different... <laughs> to completely different. There were so much more arguments over this. Um, but we'll have to remember that for next time. Um, but now, for midfield, now there's a lot more overlap here between the three of us. So obviously, uh, we've all gone for uh, Sunas and Gerard, uh, but the third midfielder is where there is some room for debate. Uh, Pete, you went for Xabi Alonso. Stan, you went for Ray Kennedy. And I went for Steve McManaman, who's you know, obviously versatile enough to play in midfield, can play up top. You know, it's it, wonderful player. But here, where, where do we sort of stand on this? Because sort of each does sort of have different um, sort of qualities that would perhaps be suitable to a crop um, side. Um I, I mean, versatility. I think was the was what sort of stood out um, for me when I went for Manaman. You know, I, I think that would just that that has been sort of almost the calling card uh, of yeah. you know the, the Klopp era, um, and obviously you know absolutely fabulous player um, for Liverpool all the way through to um, his eventual departure to Real Madrid. Um, but um, I'm going to leave you two to argue sort of your cases. For Pete, I'm going to start with you and Alonso. Sort of what what was it, what was about Alonso that sort of completed uh, that set for you? Yeah, well, I think you know, obviously we know Gerard can play a great ball but I just think the, what he did to release Gerard forward a bit but also have that ability to pass the ball you know Gerard could pass it 40 he can pass it 60 it was just you know it was the, 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 the combo they had together was so good obviously with them took Mascherano behind them and I think if you had Sunez in there breaking legs behind for the two later, I don't think it'd be him it wouldn't be a bad midfield again and I think yeah just what he did it just looked so good didn't it and obviously it's the players that came before they didn't have the pitches that he played on and even probably today that they're, they're a bit better than what Alonso was playing on but obviously we saw what he did against Luton when he scored in his own half and that wasn't the best of pitch so I think he could do it across a lot of eras and I just think the class he had was so good and he would have been here longer if it wasn't for well, you know, the club went down a little bit. And obviously, what he went on to do with Real Madrid and, and Bayern Munich, it shows his quality. And I think, you know, he, he was just one of the best footballers I've seen play. And when you listen to Carragher and Gerard saying what he's like in trading, like the way he hit the ball, it sounded perfect. And I just looked at it. And, you know, his, Thiago was a really classy player. And from what we see now, but I think Alonso was him and maybe a little bit more. So, I think if you see what he did for Liverpool, what he did after, and just how great he was to watch, I think you can't really argue against it. Maybe he doesn't have the versatility of, of your two choices, but I certainly would, would never be upset to see Xabi Alonso with a red shirt, whatever year it was. I'd have, I'd have no problem with Xabi Alonso in, in for Ray Kennedy. I think that the reason why I went for Gerard, Sunis and Kennedy is because they cover all bases. I mean... Graham Souness's goal scoring record. I mean, you think of Souness as the sort of classic, breaks things up in front of the back four, can get forward and wane with the odd goal. He scored one in six for Liverpool, which is good going at that time. Nowadays, he'd probably be encouraged to get forward more. He'd probably be one in four, which is Stephen Gerrard. His goal scoring record was one in four. Stephen Gerrard would probably be encouraged even now to go further forward and he'd probably be one in three. So you're looking at, in Graham Souness and Stephen Gerrard, the epitome of, and why I th- we're going full circle now, you had a Claude Makélélé that sat in front of a back four in the Mourinho days, and that has now uh, manifested itself. You, you know, you, you use an Angolo Kante or you use a Fabinho um, as, as the sort of modern example, somebody that has to sit in, in, in front of the back four. England have it with, whether it be Calvin Phillips or Declan Rice. But I think that we're actually going full circle now to, to midfielders. And I think this is financially as well. Clubs can't necessarily go and pack 
a midfield department with five or six or seven midfielders. So they're looking for people that can do it all to go back to what Steven Gerrard could do, to go back to what Graham Soonis could do, which was break up play, break the lines and get forward and score goals and free kicks. You know, the perfect midfielder. Man United had, had Brian Robson, of course, most notably doing that in the 1980s. So Ray Kennedy... If you allowed Sunis and Gerard to get further forward and, and, and really stamp their authority on a game, you know, Ray Kennedy could also get forward and break the lines. A great athleticism. Um, and br- I remember, you know, he, he, he would get the ball and he would go past people very, very quickly. And he was, a, you know, a, a very good physical specimen as well. But I'd be happy to take out Ray Kennedy and put Jabby Alonso because I would see if you had Gerard, if you had Sunis. Alonso could be the guy that sits in front of the back four, picks it up and keeps things ticking along and say, you know, as the as the brain to be able to call a Gerard back to help him now and again, or the brain to be able to call a Sunis back. Um, but that calmness and, and, and to be able to keep the ball uh, uh, moving in a way that perhaps Ray Kennedy wouldn't. So no, no pushback from me. I'm happy to go with Gerard Sunis and and, uh, and Xavi Alonso for sure. It's down to you. Uh, Farrell, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm oh. happy with Alonso. I, I'm going to give yeah, Pete this are. one. <laughs> You've made him a very happy man. Um, so as, as it stands then, we've got Gerard, Alonso and Sunes forming our midfield three. Now the front three, this is where things are going to get a little bit interesting. Um, again, some sort of vague overlap. Um, so Stan, you went with John Barnes, uh, Fowler and McManaman. Um, I went with Dalglish, uh Rush and Suarez and Pete, you went for Dalglish, Suarez and Billy Little. Um, right. I mean, th- there's a pretty convincing case. I mean, I mean, Pete, you're obviously the expert on Little. I've read the book as well, and it's, it's pretty comprehensive. And I think the thing that sort of specifically sort of impresses me um, about Little is obviously, as you discuss, you know, we don't even really grasp just how good of a play he was because a lot of those years were spent uh, during the war when he was offered sort of different clubs. Um, so, we, we, you know, obviously everyone who's read into him knows he was a fantastic player. And it, that's the common thing about Billy Little, um, as you mentioned, is, is he's compared to the likes of, you know, Gerard and Dalglish in terms of that sort of level of class and quality. Um, but then again, we're not sort of, we're just scratching the surface almost, given the fact that he didn't enjoy as full, as full and consistent a Liverpool career uh, due to the war. Um, so I'm, I'm going to let you lead here with Billy Little and make your case. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just, I thought I should give him the mention, obviously, as you said, that, um, because the only basis I can go on is obviously I never watched him uh, play. But everyone I ever spoke to about him, obviously from, from writing a book about him, was they all said he's as good as, as you said, Gerard and, and Dagley. So for for every literally every person I spoke to to say he's as good as them too, and he's there's no there's no fair play. You know, we all know how good he and Rush and John Barnes were and the records and whatever stands for themselves. But for for all those people I spoke with and, and looking into him to for him to be judged as highly as them too, I think says a lot. He's the fourth top goal scorer. He's still right up there, even though we had all those years taken off him. You know, we're saying scratching the surface. You know, he's fourth highest appearances. Sorry, and uh, and he was basically his his um what he did for the club over all those years. Liverpool, he was Liverpool FC, and I think if we want to 
knocked off our hat to the 70s and 80s football and Liverpool didn't start with Bill Shankly and Bob Paisley and I feel like it's good to recognise someone that came before that the club's 130 odd years old and I think he's probably him and Elijah Scott were the two people that came before all the glory and probably could stake a claim to be in the team so for me I think he should be in there um, but I, I could understand why not but you know he also played and there was a front five those days he played across all five positions so his versatility is there he had the longevity of playing like what well, uh, James Milner did play till he was 38 and he was top goal scorer eight seasons out of nine so I think if you put all of those stats together it's 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 not a bad uh, CV to put forward but obviously you've got to put him against Ian Rush and John Barnes who are probably his biggest competitors because I think from the, the lineup I've picked and you know, many people think Kenny's the best ever and then Suarez is probably the best player I've seen, like a one-off Gerard, probably longevity-wise. So then you've got to put him alongside these people. It's a it's a bad position to be in in terms of on the pitch because there's so many great great strikers we've had in the club. And with what Jürgen um, does with a front three, we can't pick two centre forwards. You only really get one, so it's kind of a it's a tough choice. But obviously, I'd stick me claim to Billy Little and hope that. That was enough. <laughs> oh, that's fair, that's fair enough. I mean, Stan, it kind of goes back to what you were saying, wasn't it? About sort of, um, even if we are sort of judging players from their areas, that you know, the, the cream of the crop um, will always sort of find a way to sort of adapt their game to uh, sort of the, yeah. the changing pace of the sport and the changing rules. I mean, if you look across the park, Dixie Dean's 60 goals is a reason why it hasn't been, that record hasn't been broken because nobody's been good enough to do it. And Dixie Dean, you know, in terms of his athleticism and his um, ability to, to, to grind out performances and score goals week in and week out for Everton, like Billy Little, um, on less than perfect pitches with less than, well, with no modern science, you know, we're talking about players that were, and I know certainly at the beginning of my career, so we're talking about the late 80s when I was an apprentice, to give you a bit of a background, players across all clubs, didn't matter whether it was Liverpool, didn't matter it was Man United, didn't matter it was Tottenham, didn't matter whether it was, you know, local non-league clubs like Marine or, or what have you, you know, eating steaks uh, pre-match, um, going out for a pint before the game, um, you know, the night before the there was there was there was nothing that these players were getting that modern players were were now getting. Facilities weren't a good, medical was non-existent. So so Billy Little's record in terms of uh, longevity, ability to play ac- across the positions is a persuasive argument for me. Um, if It depends where you're going to play him in that front three. And I think you've got to have some kind of, you know, rather than it be a sort of Harlem Globetrotters of, of saying, right, we're going to play the three best players, which you'd probably play Little, you'd probably play... Dalgleish and, and and possibly Suarez in all honesty I think the Suarez was that good um, is that would they balance each other out the reason why I went with Barnes Fowler and McManaman A we've got anecdotal evidence of what they were like playing together albeit John Barnes wasn't a, a winger then Steve McManaman didn't really come off the right he sort of drifted around in a 10 position and Fowler um, myself and, and Macca provided a lot of assists for Robbie but I'd have no problem with Billy Little going in there, which would probably take out um, Fowler. No problem with that. But I think that you'd want to round a Billy Little if you're looking at a player that was more robust, if you're looking at a player that could do a bit of everything, you've got to make sure that the players either side of him uh, are creative, are, have, a, have a proven track record in going 
um, into positions that Billy would have favoured from scoring goals. And whether we like it or not, that would have been back in wartime, getting to the byline, cutting it back, tapping it in. We're not talking about clever number 10s, threading little balls through for Billy. Billy would have had crosses coming in the box to get on the end of. He would have drifted into wider positions himself. And he would have also had out-and-out wingers that would have got to the byline and cut it back. So I'm happy to go with Billy. Then as a, as a number, let's say a number nine figure, somebody in the box who scores goals, finishes chances. It's who would put either side of him in, in, that, in that case. Because I think that if you're going to get the best out of him and how his style of play would have, would have been uh, pre and post war, it would have been wide men cutting the ball back from the byline, lots of lots of tappings, lots of balls in the box, lots of physical challenges. So who could provide him either side with bucketfuls of opportunities to do that? I mean, the question is is whether we sort of believe that's um, Dalglish and Suarez or uh, McManaman and Barnes. Um, I'll be, I, I'm, I'm inclined. I mean, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough one. That's the problem of having. A fantasy team, and, and and but also having the. I mean, we've got world class players to be able to choose from, but McManaman and Barnes, at their very best, would get to the byline and cut balls back in a way that Dalglish, Dalglish arguably would have been playing a bit deeper. You could arguably play Dalglish in, in a modern midfield. You know, his work rate, his cleverness, his ability to be able to play behind the centre forward. And to be able to pick balls up off Sunis and Gerard would be for for many modern managers, Dalglish would be a midfielder. Um, I have no problem with with Luis Suarez or Ian Rush or Robbie Fowler, but I think you've got to look at Billy Little and say if you're going to play him as the as the the main fulcrum of your goal scoring, you've got to have two providers. Yes, that can weigh in with goals, but two providers either side. So for me, Barnes and McManaman would be would be better served doing that than Suarez and Dalglish, but I'm open to, I'm open to be persuaded. Well, I think, to be fair, Billy played all of his career on the left wing. I think that's, that was what he more was, the out-and-out winger. And when his legs went a bit, that's when he went in the middle because he had the eye for goal. So I think you could still put him on the left. We could have a Barnes or a McManaman on the other wing, which I'd probably say John Barnes wouldn't be a bad shout. And then... Seeing as Kenny's got the stand named after him, manager twice, won everything, and he's, he's got um, everyone and my, my middle name's Kenny after him. I feel like <laughs> it wouldn't be a bad idea to put him through the middle and then maybe John Barnes one side and, and Billy the other. I think that wouldn't be a bad today, which means Suarez would miss out, which is a bit of a mad one, but you can't really argue with having Kenny, Barnes and Little, but that's if you two agree, that's why I think it would work yeah. to compromise yeah. everyone. You'd stick John Barnes then out on the right-hand side, which you're cutting in, which obviously favours the modern sort of systems, um, opposite foot, um, uh, you know, left foot cutting in. I mean, I think that, again, John Barnes now, um, it, it, it's a shame, really, because you look at, you know, one in four, two league titles, one in four goals against right-backs that would have, and midfielders that would have gone out and engaged him and tried to stop him in his flow, tried to hurt him, in effect, in a lot of league games. So one in four, where his primary role was to go down the outside of people and put crosses in. Of course, there were the free kicks as well and, and set pieces, which he was excellent at. Um, yeah, I could buy into John Barnes starting on the right, being told, you know, the modern player coming in, go and play off the centre forward like a Dalgleish. And he, he's, undoubtedly, he would, you'd be looking at possibly um, 
Salah and Mane kind of figures in terms of goal scoring. He'd undoubtedly score more goals because he would be coming in and 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 and, and getting more involved in the box. So yeah, uh, Little on the left, um, Barnes on the right, and then it's down to Fowler, Suarez, and and King Kenny. Um, it seems like we've all gone leaning towards uh, Town Gleish, um here. I mean, you it's can't, almost... you can't not. That's the problem because Kenny, Kenny. You know, when I was a young striker at places like Crystal Palace, there were certain players that were used by coaches as, as practical examples to copy off. And Kenny Dalglish was one. Stick your arse into a defender, twist and turn. And Ian Rush was the other in terms of one of the world's best in terms of closing down, pressing that we call we call now. Ian Rush would go, Liverpool would push up the pitch and he was one of the, it wasn't one of the early pioneers of pressing because pressing started way back before the really good Ajax teams of the 70s. Uh, you, you might even be going back to 50s and 60s fight, finding your first examples of what modern pressing was. But Ian Rush was used as an example to me and to other strikers at various clubs. Watch how Ian Rush does it. Watch how Ian Rush bends his run to be able to get in if Dalgleish plays him through. Um, I've got no problem with Kenny Dalgleish at all. I mean, how, how could you? Holds the ball up well cuteness, cleverness to be able to play a little ball around the corner for Little or Barnes to be able to run on the end of. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. Like I say, I was happy to make a, 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 a plea for two, three of my former teammates uh, in terms of McManaman, and Fowler and Barnes. Barnes gets in. Um, no problem with me whatsoever. So uh, Barnes on the right, Little on the left and, uh, and King Kenny down the middle. I think you're going to pretty much guarantee goals and assists there. I mean, it's not a half bad forward line, is it? I think, uh, you know, I think anyone would bite your hand off for that uh, or the modern equivalent of that. Um, so well, I'll just read out the, the full team we've got then. Uh, so we have agreed on Pepe Reina in goal. We've got Phil Neal, uh, Jamie Carragher, Alan Hansen, Alan Kaladi uh, in the back line in midfield. We've gone to three. We've gone for Graham Sinus, Stephen Gerrard, Xabi Alonso. And up top, we have John Barnes, Kenny Dalglish and Billy Liddle. Um Question, a question for Pete, because my, my knowledge isn't as extensive as, as Billy Little. When, why did he make the transition into being an out-and-out forward? You mentioned that he played right across four or five different positions and his favoured one was was on the left. Um, yeah. We all know of centre-halves, centre and centre, it was a classic one, even going into to the early stage of my career. You'd have centre-forwards that ended up going back to centre-half and vice versa. You'd have people like Chris Sutton that, um, could play as a centre-forward, centre-half. John Walk, centre-forward, centre-half. Uh, Dion Dublin, centre-forward, centre-half. What was the, what, what, was there any reasoning, was there any digging that you did to find out sort of when and why Billy made the transition from an out-and-out wide man into a centre-forward? Because I'm guessing that wide men in those days, you know, you, you, your centre-forward is your big, strong, your Nat Lofthouse, um, Lion of Vienna type, John Charles, big and strong. That was very different to what wide men of the day, Stanley Matthews, Mortensen and, and, and that were like. So, Peter, question for you. Why, why did you make the transition from uh, wide man to centre forward? Not so much of a, a big deal these days, but would have been quite a big one back then. Yeah, well, I think probably his pace is what got him out wide. Obviously, he had the physicality and everything to play through the middle, which is why he moved in there. But I think because he had that... The, the physicality didn't drink, you know, he, he was as fit as a fiddle. He could run up and down that, that wing all day long. So I think that obviously really helped him. And 
the fact that he could cut inside, have a shot with his right foot, he could cross it with his left, or if it was coming from the other side, he could go and win the header. I think they just used his, his physicality, basically, so you know he could get up and down that wing, and then when he hit his early 30s, basically he just wasn't able to do the, the running he was doing, probably not covering the mileage he had, so they just slowly moved him inside, because obviously they had the, the, the front five, basically, so they moved him one in and off the left, so it was a bit less running, and then when it got towards the end of his career, the positions were getting filled out wide in the first team and they were trying them out as, as a number nine in the reserves because they didn't really have many options up front. So they kind of worked together in terms of what the team needed and, and what he could provide. They knew he was a goal scorer. So I think it, it all kind of worked together. That he, he still had a, a bit of pace about him, but he had that eye for goal, which he, obviously it's quite hard to coach that in it. So I think when they're in the in his later days, they just realised that he knew where the goal was and I think it all kind of worked well together for him. Well, well worth a read, um, that book, quite sort of comprehensive. Um, so, I mean, we've got our sort of 11 there all sorted. Now here comes the hard part. Um, so in terms of an agreed sort of best cop 11, and feel free to correct uh, the rough idea sort of I've gone with here. Um, so obviously, Alison Becker in goal. We've got Trent Alexander-Arnold, Virgil van Dijk. Um, I've gone for Gilles Matip. Um, and Andy Robertson in the back line at midfield, uh, Fabinho, Jordan Henderson, and Thiago Alcantara. Um, up top, um, Mo Salah, Sadio Mane. Now, I was in two minds here whether to go with sort of Diego Jota or Bobby Firmino. Um, don't know where you two lads will stand on that. I think if you're going classic, you go for, for Bobby, but I think that, that we all acknowledge that, that sort of Diogo Jota, when he came here, all my mates were Wolves fans, and they were like, oh, he'll be all right at Liverpool, but I don't, you know, he'll be a bit part player. He's been outstanding, um, and he scores goals in lots of different positions. But I think that if you're going back to what Liverpool, what got Liverpool the success of first the, the sort of one point off Manchester City, then winning the title for the first time, the Premier League title that is, of course, and becoming champions of Europe, champions of the world. I think that the die was cast with Salah Firmino and and Mane. So for this exercise, I would I would certainly credit the vast majority of um, the success that Liverpool have had in recent years with Firmino being part of the three rather than Diogo Jota. But that's my opinion. Yep, same. I think he's the most appearances in the club, isn't he? So I think that's just on that basis. He probably deserves it. And, you know, it's not like he's finished. He didn't score last night. So <laughs> I'm definitely happy for him to be the main man up top. Well, you've sold me, lads. It'll be Bobby Firmino then in the best club. 11. Um, well, that was easy. Uh, the next bit is absolutely going to be horrendously difficult. Um, <laughs> we'll start off from the bottom up. Goalkeeper. I mean, I, I think we can all safely agree here we, we would keep hold of, of Alison Becker ahead of Pepe Reina, as much as we all love Pep. Um, so that sorts out one position quite easily. Um, now, the back line. Um, so the obvious one to keep, um, of course, initially is is, is Virgil van Dijk. Um I, I would I would say personally. Uh, so there's just a question, of course, of who would 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 we sell? I mean, I suppose we would potentially, wouldn't we? Joel uh, Matip in favour of holding on to Alan Hansen or Jamie Carragher. Um, there's an obvious option to go for there. But uh, where do you lads stand on that? Yeah, I think well, Hansen for Hansen and Van Dijk wouldn't be a bad partnership. But the toilet, that's what I'd go for. Rather no, you say, <laughs> rather than saying Carragher's out, I'll say Van Dijk's in. That sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> Van Dyke, 
very, very got everything. Region of the game, uh, ability to bring the ball out from the back. Um, they don't get done very often for pace because of the region of the game. Uh, both willing to roll their sleeves up and get into a battle if need be. I think that Alan Hansen would actually be seen as the senior defender now because if you think again what Alan Hansen had to put up with in terms of pitches, in terms of playing against two strikers, let's not forget, the <coughs> two big ones often, um, and still be able to bring the ball out from the back, to be able to still read the, read the game. Um, I think that, that, that Alan Hansen would, would even pip Virgil van Dijk in, in the modern game uh, with, again, everything that you could give a modern player. So, yeah, two centre-halves for me, uh, Hansen and van Dijk. Uh, how are we sort of feeling about the, the full-backs as well? So we've got Phil Neal and Alan Kennedy or Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, and Andy Robertson. Um, I would probably argue uh, in favour of Alan Kennedy and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, just purely based on... I mean, we, we, Trent's ability obviously speaks for itself, but sort of looking at sort of what he's achieved already in this simple side, you know, again, uh, Stan, you mentioned the importance of trophies and also looking at what he can look to achieve in the future. You know, he said it himself, I think, in the, in the pre uh, Inter Milan sort of press, he was talking about um, um, just his general sort of approach and mentality in Liverpool. He, he said you know, only one one trophy a season minimum. Um, you know, very much believes he's got a lot more to offer in the game. And I think you know, there's sort of comparisons of sort of mentality to Steven Gerrard in terms of just how he sort of he approaches sort of his Liverpool career and his role uh, in the simple side. And I think certainly given, I mean, we have to remember the lad's only sort of 23. Um, so just not even close to his peak yet, which is a certainly frightening prospect for our opposition. But wh- where do we stand on this? Yeah, Trent, um, you, you've got a one-off, uh, a unique fullback um, in terms of his skill sets, which obviously people have then opined at great length as to whether he, he could go on and be a midfielder, for example. And I'll go with Alan Kennedy. I think that if you do it and you do it at the very highest level in the biggest games when it matters, that's it. It's it's that simple. It's the it's it's where are you where are you plying your trade? And I've got look, it, it it's almost 50-50 because they're very similar fullbacks. I mean, I think if you, the, the Alan Kennedy of today would be asked to do a very similar role, he could get forward. Lot every time you know there's an outlet on that left hand side, Alan Kennedy can get forward um, and look to get involved. And you see that you know the, the goal in the one European Cup final where he's, he's you know it's nosebleed territory for old school left backs. Again, putting it in context for the younger ones, Gary Neville has recently done interviews saying you know he was told to be a stay at home fullback. There's one of the great modern fullbacks in a dominant generation for Manchester United. So although Liverpool fans of 21 to 30 might look at Alan Kennedy's goal and go, that's the norm now. Well, uh, um, um, Robbo does that. It wasn't the norm then. You didn't, uh, your fullback stayed at home. They would shake the ball into the channel for one of two strikers to hold it up and that would be a platform to then go and play. So what Alan Kennedy did then is what's happening now regularly. So he did it way before his time. So it would be me, Trent and Alan Kennedy. Would you agree there, Peter? You're going to make a case for Andy Robertson? Yeah, I think Robbo should be in. I think I can't, I haven't said enough for Alan Kennedy to make a full opinion. And I'll go off what my dad says. And he does say he was lucky to be in a very good team rather than being one of the best players in a very good team. And again, I don't want to say too much. I didn't say enough of him. So I'm only going off what my dad said. But 
I think for if you look at that, obviously we've seen the games as as the pool fans of our age, or, or maybe just speaking on my own behalf. But we've seen the European Cup final scores, and I don't think you can't like define a career by that. And I think with what Robbo does assist wise on the other side, again last night being another example, you know we all think Trent's head and shoulders above him in assists, and he's he's ahead of him. But you know Robbo still does so much. And I think having both of them is just. What they do now in, in Klopp's team, they're, they're so pivotal to it. And they were just looking at the stats already, Robbo's got a lot more assist than Alan Kennedy has in about half the game. So I think for the team that Jürgen Klopp would want to pick Robbo, and I think that's what I'd go for. But again, you I would never be upset to see Alan Kennedy do that after what he did in, in two European Cup finals. But if I was to pick, I'd still go for Robbo. But it is 2-1. I mean, that's my case for Robbo. Well, what do you reckon, Stan? Has that, has that argument convinced you? No, because I think that the, the stats is misleading. I think that um, more ball in play... I mean, actually, we're getting into a big debate about how much ball is in play at the minute, and it's gone down. Some clubs over the last four or five years, six years, have had the ball in play, thinking about Stoke City in the Premier League, 40 minutes in out of 90. Clubs like Liverpool and Man City, north of 60, 65, 69 minutes you are looking at a completely different mindset about how the game was played. And like I say, you could slow a game down by full-backs or centre-halves playing the ball back to the goalkeeper for defined periods of time. Um, so the game was very, very different. Now it's kind of like roll the ball out and it's like five-a-side football played on an 11-a-side pitch. So more ball in play, more time on the ball, more attacking football, more attackers, um, more clubs with more attacking resources than clubs down the bottom of the table. Um, I'd still go with Alan Kennedy because I think that although we see a lot of Robbo and we see a lot of the assists and we see that a lot of Liverpool play, I don't think you get into two European Cup winning teams and add what you add in two European Cup finals in terms of you know winning goals and, and what have you unless you've got something special about you. So I'll take on board what, what Pete's dad said about, you know, not being a great player in a, in a great team, but he still did great things. And that's two European Cup finals, which defined and cemented Liverpool's legacy as European football royalty um, at a crucial time in its, in its history. You know, Shankly wanted um, to uh, patience from the Liverpool crowd. He wanted to have a, a more cerebral uh, European style of play. Um, that then comes to fruition with getting into UEFA Cup finals and then European Cup finals. Um, and, and, and so from that perspective, I would stick with Alan Kennedy because I think he could, he could give equally now what, what Robbo does. Could Robbo have given what Alan Kennedy did back then? I don't know. You're still talking about a player that didn't pull up in major trees at, at Hull. Jurgen brings him in, eight million pounds. Everybody Liverpool, every Liverpool fan went, hey, uh, oh, he's just back up. And he goes on to have a great career. I think that's as much a, an argument for Robbo being around a great team with great players as it is about Robbo, who is the world-class fullback, don't get me wrong, about uh, Robbo coming into uh, a, a side that is a new European powerhouse and doing it on back-to-back Champions League uh, stroke European Cup final. So I would stay with Alan Kennedy. But I'd, I'd, I'd either, like I said to you at the, at the beginning of this particular one, 50-50 for me. I just think that scoring scoring goals in two European Cup finals at a crucial time of the club's development 
I think that's 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 a big deal. Well, this is a tough one. Um, as yeah. as as host, I'm going to use my executive powers and change my mind. I think I think Pete's convinced me uh, with Robertson, so I am going to go okay. with Trent and Robertson as our fullbacks. Um, and yep, so the only change in the back line, of course, is Alan Hansen for Joel Matip, which is uh, fair enough. But certainly not to discredit um, Matip, who has been absolutely phenomenal um, this season, has certainly proven when he has the time to shine, um, he can be brilliant for us. But yes, Alan Hansen is simply a class above. Um, in midfield, of course, we've got currently Fabinho, Henderson and Thiago. Uh, the midfield we came up with was Graham Suness, Stephen Gerrard and Alonso. Um, I was a bit two minds about this, but I've settled on keeping Fabinho as the holding uh, midfielder, bringing Steven Gerrard in uh, for Jordan Henderson and keeping Thiago Alcantara. What do we think, Pete? No. No. <laughs> um, I'd keep Gerrard and Sunez and put Fabinho in. I think Fabinho is the best in the world in his position. Although it might seem like more of a defensive one on paper, I think you could even play Fabinho alongside Sunez and we could have the, the Rafa Benitez Gerrard that was behind Torres and I think he'd, he'd do the job of a number 10 brilliantly as well as you know when when it gets a bit a bit dirty and we need to get tackles in you know Gerard could get back in and, and he can play anywhere on the pitch basically so I think Gerard's definitely in Fabinho I think as I just said then he's the, the best defensive mid in the world and that he's probably the best I've seen in the Liverpool shirt so then I think you know Graeme Sooners deserves to be in that team as well. I just I don't think Thiago's done enough. I think he looks great and he is a good footballer, but I don't think he's done enough to get himself in the the best ever team or the crossover team. And I think if you add Klopp leading them, I think you know, you know that Graeme Sooners could maybe unleash a bit forward more. And Fabinho knows where the goal is as we've seen recently, so I think it'd still be a a solid midfield. And yeah, I think that's what it'd be. So I just swap Alonso for Fabinho and just drop Fabinho in behind. Uh, yeah, I, I can see the logic there. Let me just argue uh, Tiago's case before we move on to to, to Stan's thoughts on the matter. Um, I, I just purely from the point of view. I mean, we've, the stats certainly speak for themselves this season. When Fabinho and Tiago have played together, we've been sort of an absolutely unstoppable uh, machine. Um, and you know, his absence has been sort of clear for everyone to see. But again, I accept. You know, over the sort of longevity, we've not really been able to sort of appreciate what kind of impact Tiago might have had over the case of sort of five, six, seven years. Um, but if you're looking for, for a midfielder that is going to sort of set the tone, uh, set the rhythm of the game, you know, for me. Tiago is that sort of quintessential player in that regard. Um, and I think for a, for a Liverpool team that seems um, to be, you know, as much about versatility as having sort of almost specific players that can do sort of certain things, um, I think for, for me, I think Tiago sort of almost completes and allows sort of other players to, to, to then flourish. Um, again, that's sort of a lot of the, the criticism that has been made of this Liverpool side, obviously, is also its greatest strength. Um, is that if you know if you pluck a few a few players outside the team, the structure doesn't quite work as well. Whereas you look over at City, and they've almost sort of built that sort of side um, to sustain success, regardless of how many you, you pick out. Obviously, they've got you know gajillion players you can just slot back in. Um, but I, I, I think I, I think it'd be a very different argument had we seen Thiago at the club for the last four, five, six years. Um, but I'm prepared. To certainly accept having Sunes uh, in the side, um, but what, what, what do you what do you think of it, Stan? Straightforward for me. Few words. Zabi out. Fabinho stays in. Gerard and Sunes. I think that Fabinho sits in. Modern midfielder, physical powerhouse as well. Gerard and Sunes. There's nothing that isn't in uh, Gerard and Sunes's locker 
that is in Thiago's, whether that be going forward, breaking beyond the lines, whether it be having the ability to slow things down and to be able to play. I know that we think of Gerard and Sunis as more aggressive, but they can they've got they've got the little uh, sleight of hand, if you like, um, as uh, that Thiago has. So I'd have no problems with Gerard, Sunis, and Fabinho for me. Agree with Pete. Well, I'm outmatched here, lads, so we're going to have to go for that one. Fabinho, Gerard, and Sunes in midfield. Still an absolutely world-class selection of midfielders. Um, now, up top, um, Salah, Firmino, and Mane, which is what we accept to be Klopp's best um, trio of attackers. Um, certainly what they've achieved at the club has been phenomenal. And you'd argue they'd have achieved much more had um, they not been up against uh, the, the powerhouse that is Manchester City. Um, but where do we stand when it comes to our sort of alternative squad of Barnes, Dalglish and Liddell? Does anyone want to be, be brave here and make a case for I think the obvious one to go for um, is Firmino. Um, I think, you know, in terms of being the, the weakest link, as it were, you know, certainly the lad's sort of world class. Um, but I think obviously what is often picked apart is his sort of goal contributions, even though, you know, it, it seems those outside of Merseyside seem to overlook um, how integral he's been to those formative sort of crop years in terms of creating space for Salah and Mane to thrive, you know, dragging defenders out of, out of spaces. And yeah, as I say, just really sort of allowing, allowing those two sort of wingers to really um, give their best for the club. Um, so would, would we all sort of agree sort of Firmino, is still the obvious target to go for. Yeah, I, I, I think that for, for me, actually, I mean, my wild card off the bench at the beginning of this process is that I'd have had uh, Mane. Uh, if, if we're talking about a team that's playing in, in modern football and, and, and the way that Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp wants to play, I'd still have Mo Salah and Saido Mane and I'd have Luis Suarez instead of uh, Firmino. I think Luis Suarez would fit in that in that number nine position, hand in glove. However, we've gone for Barnes, Kenny and, and Liddle. I would certainly take out, be, be looking at taking out Mane for Liddle. Um, yes, Firmino is the one that, you, that, you, that you're looking at under pressure. Mo Salah for John Barnes. I think that Mo Salah's goals... Again, in, in the modern game, more quicker, chasing down, more pressing. And Kenny wouldn't be an ideal press. So you, you, you've, you've, got a, you've got a bit of... This is a very, very difficult one because for me, the, the obvious one would be to say, take out Bobby Firmino, put in Luis Suarez and you've got an upgrade. Um, you take out Saido Mane and you've got Billy Little, you can argue that's an upgrade significant upgrade depending on how Billy Little would deal with with, with the modern game but I, but Kenny in this system I don't think necessarily would be could Kenny play uh, with his back to goal and do all the twists and turns and play little balls through to Mane or to Little or to Mo Salah of course he could but Kenny's not going to go down and, and, and be as sort of you just literally let him off the lead like Bobby Firmino at his best and chase down and start and light fires all over the place. So that's a bit of a problem for me. But I'll I'll, I'll listen to what you two guys have got and then uh, and then come back to you. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, it's tough. I think Mo Salah's the one who's guaranteed a place. You know, he's, he's done enough and done it consistently that he deserves in the team. And I think John Barnes for Salah is is you happy either way, whatever comes in. I think that's what works. And then it's between Kenny and Firmino, and obviously I get what Stan says. I think obviously what Kenny's best bit was having Ian Rush having those runs off him, and if he's the, obviously the other two will be coming inside, and we know Salah makes those runs anyway. But 
there could even be an argument that you, you maybe because we've got Fabinho and you've got Gerard, you could even drop <laughs> Kerry in the number ten and then put Suarez in, and I think it would still play to everything. You know, maybe if we're playing the the San Siro away, you play Fabinho, Gerard, and Suarez, and then. If you're playing a Burnley at home, maybe you bring Kenny and Suarez in. I don't think that would be a bad one if we're allowed to sub. Uh, maybe that would work both ways. But I think the, the argument becomes between who you have in the middle and off our first team, it was Kenny. And if it's between Kenny and Bobby Firmino, I think Kenny wins. I think between Suarez and Firmino, Suarez wins. So it's unfair on Bobby. I don't think he's bad at all. But obviously when you've got two of the best players I've ever played for the football club, it's one of them who goes in. And I think the fact Kenny got in the team and Suarez didn't, then yeah. therefore you'd pick Kenny. But again, if we wanted to have two different systems, I'm more than happy to maybe have Suarez or um, Sunez on the bench for whatever game we were playing. Would there be any argument for, for Mane instead of uh, Lidl or are you happy to stick with Billy Lidl? Well, I'm biased towards Billy Little, so <laughs> I'm happy he's in there. I'm trying to stay quiet and keep him in the team, but I would definitely not be upset to see Sadio Mane and I, but obviously what he's done, you say everything you say about Sally, you say about him, it's just because uh, sorry, because Salah scores a few more goals than Mane, he's, he is obviously a better regarded, but they're both a fantastic duo and the best thing about them is you can't double up on any of them because it leaves space for the other one. And We had... It was the second season of Salah when Manny started scoring again because I think defences started thinking well, we need to put two or three men on him and then Manny just starts scoring so you can't keep any of them quiet. So again, you know, maybe Manny can go on the bench or Billy can we'll live. We can have a seven-man bench we picked. The thing is, you could put Fowler, Rush, Torres, Kenny, Firmino, Suarez, all through the middle in that number nine position, and it'd still be a, a team that probably won everything. So we're lucky enough to have that many people to pick in that position. So whichever yeah. one you pick, fine, really. I'm happy then. I'm sold. Salah for Barnes and keep Kenny and Little. No, no, no shouts for Dirk Cout, anyone? No. No, 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 no <laughs> for Dirk Cout? No. Ah, oh, well. You know, I, I, no, you, you, you know, worth a try. Worth a try. But yeah, I, I'd agree. Yeah. I think um, the, the problem area is certainly who we go through down the middle. I think I'm perfectly happy with um, Salah and Little um, on the wings and then up front. Um, again, I, I think this is where sort of Stan's wild card of uh, Luis Suarez would probably quite come in handy. Um, so I'm, I'd be very happy with front three of Salah, Suarez and Little if you lads are also in agreement on that. It's not a bad team, is it? Not, not, it's yeah. not bad, is it? You'd you take it's just, it, wouldn't you? It's, it's a win-win-win scenario, <laughs> one, so it's just really possible. That extra ability to chase down that Suarez does at his very best, that kind of, you know, not giving defenders a minute's peace, I think that in a Jurgen Klopp system would, would have more value than what Kenny gave, but... Like you say, either or. I mean, let, 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 let's keep Kenny in and just and 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 bring because at Anfield, Kenny's going to create chances and Kenny's going to still score goals. If you're looking to go away and you're looking or you're looking to go to Man City, if you're looking to go to uh, Spurs, Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, uh, you know, European away days, and you're looking to um, be more aggressive, go with Suarez, bring him off the bench. Okay. So, well, I mean, it sounds like we've got a complete team here. Um, right, it's quite quite a good one, actually, lads. Uh, so we've got Alison Becker, 
in goal. Uh, in the back line, we've got Virgil van Dijk partnered with Alan Hansen in a centre of defence for that cultured uh, centre-back partnership um, on in the full-back positions. We've went for Andy Robertson after much debate and then Trent Alexander-Arnold in the right-back spot. In midfield, we've got Fabinho, Steven Gerrard and Graham Souness. And up top, Mo Salah, Kenny Dalglish and Billy Liddell. Harking back to the past there. Absolutely Superb. <laughs> We'd take that 11, wouldn't you? I think uh, if you could get those sort of players sort of adjusting to the, sort of the modern game, the modern rules, I think, you know, that's a actually frightening uh, prospect, isn't it? But yeah, no, yeah. I think we, we sort, we're sorting out the 11 there. Yeah, creativity. Um, you're not, you, there's, there's not a massive revolution for Jurgen Klopp. He's still got his preferred goalkeeper, one of his central defenders, one of his central midfielders. Um, so you're looking for Jurgen Klopp as a manager that the spine of his team are his, his choices. Uh, likewise, both fullbacks and he's getting his mercurial forward Mo Salah. I think that in the other positions, Gerard Souness, Kenny and Liddle, I don't think he'd argue about if he if he watched or I'm sure he has watched, but um, but knew of the the qualities of all of those players. Plus Alan Hansen instead of Joel Matip, he would be getting upgrades in every position. He'd probably have to tinker a little bit in terms of. Would they go chasing? Would you have Mo Salah or Billy Liddle closing down instead of a, of a Bobby Firmino? Because I think that that would be potentially a little bit of an Achilles heel for Kenny Dalglish. Not saying Kenny wasn't mobile, but he wasn't the sort of let's go and light fires, uh, as I've mentioned, in closing central defenders and goalkeepers down. But that aside, you're going to get way more from that team than ever, uh, than, 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 what, uh, than any negatives. Fantastic team. Until we perfect the art of cloning, uh, we're just going to have to settle for our already world-class 11. Um, very grateful to have them. And well, for now, we've been the Red Nets. Stan Collymore, Peter Kenny-Jones, your host, Farrell Keeling. Of course, we've got Rick Elliott uh, producing in the wings. We've enjoyed this latest installment of the Red Nets podcast. Uh, be sure to let us know what your top 11 would be. Would you agree? Do you disagree with any, uh, any of our sort of selections? We're very much open to discussion. For now, take care.